And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Puzzle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Very excited to be joined today with Dimitri Shapiro, who's the founder and CEO of Mind Studio. We're going to be talking about some really cool use cases of how to use AI to improve your business. His company does uh, all kinds of cool stuff with AI. I was checking it out before we started. It looks like you can feed all sorts of data into it and do all sorts of neat use cases, things that uh, I'm sure a lot of you could actually take advantage of. I was thinking of a few of them myself before we started. Uh, but before we get started, I do want to remind you that today's episode of Startup Puzzle is brought to you by Fullscale, which is my company. We have over 300 employees in the Philippines doing all forms of software development. If you're needed to grow your development team, you can check us out at fullscale.io. Dimitri, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks. Super excited to chat. So is this the real you or is this an AI version of you? <laughs> uh, this is the real me <clears throat> modified. Yesterday, I tore my tendon that connects my bicep to my forearm. So we'll need surgery. So this is the side of me for now. Were you doing like uh, cool tricks or anything or what happened? No, it wasn't even that cool. We uh, we had a flood here on my property because we got all this rain yesterday and I was uh, scrambling to pick up a box, uh, just the papers in the garage. Wasn't even that heavy, maybe like 50 pounds. And all of a sudden I hear this like snap. <laughs> just picking up a box. Just picking up a box. That's not really a cool story. You're going to have to come up with something cooler. Like you were saving a kid. They were going to be, you know, ran over by a car. Or you pulled like something like. I agree. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that would be cooler. But this, this is very uncool. Yeah. And in well, fact, I'll give you another funny thing. So I, I looked it up and and uh, on, on the web, it talks about these types of injuries typically happen with middle-aged men picking up boxes. Like literally, that, that's what the web says about how this happens. And so my wife and I were just falling over laughing yesterday. That's pretty funny. It like diagnosed me in that way. All right. Well, I'm not picking up uh, Amazon boxes off my front porch anymore then. I think they're not safe for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, so tell me a little more about Mind Studio and what you guys do and how you got started with this. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a, these days I call myself an old nerd. Uh, I started writing code in 1984 when I was in high school and you know, have been doing software ever since. Before this, uh, I spent four years at Google um, uh, running three teams that were doing machine learning, uh, sort of analyzing all of Google's data to, to help sort of make services better. Before that, I was the chief technology officer of MySpace Music. Before that, I built two other venture-backed companies. One was a major competitor to YouTube called Vio, raised $70 million for that 7-0. Prior to that, I built a venture-backed cybersecurity company called Aconic Systems, raised $34 million for that. In the mid-90s, I built the web team at Fujitsu. So uh, I, I've been in tech for a very long time, and I've been in, you know, in and around the AI machine learning space um, you know, for over a decade. 
uh, it, it is really an exciting time that all of us find ourselves in right now, where we have access now to all of these generative AI models, whether they are language models or image diffusion or video or code. And there's now thousands of models. That yeah. Are incredible. And the pace of innovation there is, um, well, impossible to get your head around. Like even if you just study that full time of how things are changing every single week, there's just monster moves coming from everywhere. Right. So, so it's an exciting time. Uh, and, and, you know, lots of, uh, businesses, whether they're small businesses, medium sized, large enterprises are realizing that, uh, they could leverage the power of all of these AI models in order to do their business in a better way, be more efficient, more productive, you know, raise their top and bottom lines. Um, and, and mostly what they've been doing is trying to figure out, okay, great, but how do we use them? Meaning, do we just give our employees access to chat GPT and say, here you go? Or do we put in a bunch of these like point solutions like copy AI or writer or Jasper, which a lot of sort of right. early adopter businesses did indeed put those in. Uh, and so what we bring to the table is a platform called mind studio that basically says, um, create custom, you know, sophisticated multi-step workflows specifically for your business, uh, leveraging the power of AI models. And so we are model agnostic. We support models from OpenAI, Anthropic, Google, Meta, Mistral. Uh, uh, you can call your own models in your own private cloud or on-prem. Okay. Where, you know, some organizations are doing. So model agnostic. And again, you can create these multi-step workflows that allow you to create what we call AI-powered applications. And so today we have over 15,000 of these AI-powered applications wow. that have been built and deployed. They live inside of large enterprises, uh, government agencies, um, medium-sized and small businesses, you know, solopreneurs using them. Um, and we make it really easy to do that. You don't need to know how to code. You watch some YouTube tutorials or you come to our one of our you know, digital live classes and you learn to use this platform. And then the rest, you, everywhere you look, you're going to see opportunities to sort of transform your business, to automate things that used to be done manually, to assist and you know, generate things. Um, so many use cases already. So when did you guys start this? A year ago. Yeah. Last, wow. Okay. Last fall. So did you guys come up with the idea as soon as like ChatGPT was announced and, and that kind of sparked it or? Yeah. So um, again, I've been involved in and following all of the innovations in, in AI for a long time, meaning we saw transformers come up, uh, you know, six years ago plus, uh, and obviously saw early versions of GPT uh, come out and start to, yeah. So it was pretty clear once we saw that models were available, that what's needed, we believe, isn't, uh, I'll give you another example. So I'm old enough to remember the days of DOS. And so computing used to have to be by typing commands into DOS, but computing didn't sort of get adopted by the mainstream until we got Windows. Because, you know, end users aren't very good at typing commands to command line interfaces. And especially when most of us are on mobile now with our thumbs. So when ChatGPT came out and we saw that it was so powerful, but the interface to it was this command line interface. It was clear to us that what we needed to do was abstract that 
and sort of, we believe all AI models should be treated as backend services. That, that end users should not go directly to these models and chat with them. That software developers, AI developers should create applications that leverage those models as cloud services, right? As backends, but provide to end users simple interfaces that just feel like regular apps, meaning forms that you can enter, you know, text boxes and text areas and multi-select, you know, multiple choice things and check boxes and radio buttons and all of that, right? And, and should be able to do logic and should be able to call again, different models at different part of the workflow. So the way that a lot of these AI powered applications are built is in some part of the workflow, you might call one model that's faster and really good at doing something and then get the result back and process it some more with other things. So, so give us an example. What, what, give give sure. us a real world example of, of, sure. of like when you started this, like, oh, this would be a great use case. Be, we well, need to build sure. our platform to do this. For sure, for sure. So for example, uh, more and more people are uh, bringing into their, uh, you know, uh, video conferencing sessions, uh, a, a transcriber AI. Right, that, that sort of listens to the conversation and transcribes all that makes that available. Great. What do you do with that transcription? Well, it's sort of there. You can sort of manually go back and take a look at it. But a better thing to do is to create an AI in your business that ingests those transcriptions. And the first thing it does is parses them and, and pulls out the most sort of salient points that are relevant to your business, not salient to any business, but specifically to your business. And again, you can very easily train it on your business by giving it a bunch of these data sources, uploading different types of files. And then we automatically take those files, turn them into vector embeddings and do this thing called retrieval augmented generation. So this AI is trained on your corporate data, understands what your company is looking for. So when it parses and analyzes those transcripts, it can pull out the salient points. Now, some AI models are better and faster at pulling out those salient points than other models. And so you would then take that and call one model to pull out the points. You'd then get a list of those points. And then again, you might run it through some retrieval augmented generation to get some more context for that and give it to another model that's much better as taking those points and then creating custom reports out of them or creating custom sales collaterals out of them. So and, what? So give, give us like a really simple couple real world examples though. Like, oh, we have this... Uh, so I, so I like the video conferencing and the notes, like I would love to take those notes and like automatically put them in our CRM system or something. Like, oh, I talked to Dimitri and these were the key action items and it shows up in HubSpot or something like oh. that, right? Like that'd be great. What, what are some other like really simple examples of this? Yeah, I'll give you a bunch of examples of, of how, uh, people are using this. Um, so, uh, a lot of usage, which again, is not surprising is our sales enablement people that are realizing that, you know, salespeople uh, have to do a lot of work to be able to, you know, to, to, to be successful at their job. They have to be able to do research on a prospect that they're about to have a conversation with and understand their point of view and understand their industry and do stuff. They need to then have conversations back and forth and inside those conversations, really pay attention to them to understand whether they're moving the prospect towards close or not or if they're listening with what's known in sales as happy ears, they need to often create custom materials, sales materials for each prospect in order to be able to do it, or just send non-custom, generic 
uh, sales collaterals, which isn't the best way to do it. Uh, they need to manage CRM systems and do all that stuff. All of that can be automated. And so people are creating sales assistants that do the research for the salesperson. So the salesperson doesn't need to do the research. So they have a smart set of bullet points in a sense before they make that call or during the conversation to be able to speak the language of the prospect rather than the language they think that the prospect should understand. So that's one. Um, they create custom collaterals. And, and so everybody gets custom sales collaterals that are speaking okay. their language, addressing yeah. their things. They are sending things to CRM systems and reading things from CRM systems. They're creating automated follow-up things. They're creating AI trainers where salespeople interact with an AI internally. The AI assesses their strengths and weaknesses, find, then creates custom training materials to fill in their weaknesses. And, and so there's a, a gentleman uh, that I recently interviewed on my video podcast who sits in a cybersecurity company that's created an AI that trains as salespeople, an AI that trains as sales engineers, an AI that trains as customer support people, and is doing a bunch of automations inside of things. So we see, we see a lot of that. Um, and then, uh, again, we're seeing this being used in human resources, uh, in, in assessment of, of candidates and, and detecting, um, you know, when people are sort of checking out, they're about to quit. There's like a lot of things that you can uh, point AIs towards. And if you can make them nuanced by, again, creating multi-step workflows and training them with your data, countless applications can be created. So it, I, the, the struggle that I have when I think about this, though, is... Like those things all sound great, but it's like a lot of people I feel like don't know where to start. Right. So like, I don't I, like that. Like that sounds great. How would I do that? So for your platform, is it somebody that figures out how to solve that problem and then they can make that solution available to anybody else? Like they are reselling, like how they have built this workflow or are people have to build their own workflow and it's for their own purposes. Great question. Uh, so a couple of things. One is uh, you're absolutely right. There's people uh, need help understanding how they might be able to leverage AI in their business. Again, we now have over 15,000 of these AIs mm -hmm. that been deployed in businesses. And so we are um, bubbling up success stories and use cases on our blog. We actually started last week. I think there's about 10 of them. They're now blog.youai.ai, and, and you will see uh, those use cases. Um, so, uh, that's one, uh, two is, uh, uh, we are, uh, hosting basically training sessions for, uh, different types of builders. Some people sit inside of an enterprise and are building things for their enterprise users to use. Other people are creating AI tools, uh, to sell to you know, other folks. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, there's an outfit called um, Academic Insight Lab, academicinsightlab.com. Um, Jessica and Kimberly, they're consultants to higher education institutions. They've now built over 80, 80 AI applications using Mind Studio and then resell them to universities, faculty, staff, uh, PhD students on a monthly basis as a bundle for that. So, so we're seeing that type of usage. We're seeing usage of enterprises creating it for themselves, and we're right. also seeing usage of just individuals, sort of solopreneurs, realizing that once they learn how to use Mind Studio, 
they can just automate a bunch of things very rapidly in their own right. workflows or create things that that sort of make them more productive and smarter. Yeah. Yeah. I, so that's, so do you have a lot of people then that have built these apps that are, and you have like a marketplace where you can go in and, and resell your app on a, on a marketplace that you have there? No, no. The, all of these apps are web applications. And so okay. uh, you can embed them in your own website. And, and that's okay. what uh, Academic Insight Lab does. Um, yeah, they're just web apps. So you can embed them. You can send them to anyone. You can link to them from anywhere. You, some people are taking them and wrapping them in native application wrappers and, and allowing them to be downloaded from the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, things like that. Okay. So... When you originally had this idea, you were previously at Google, right? That's right. So I'm curious when you when you went to start this, did you go out and and raise a bunch of money, or did you did you have some other co-founders? Like, how did you get started with this? Yeah, so this is my third venture back company as a founder. Um, I've now raised over 140 million dollars for those three companies. For this company, we've raised 36 million dollars. Uh, so I I left Google in 2016. So this company is actually oh, okay, okay. seven years old. Uh, but yeah, we, we've raised $36 million and we'll probably raise again soon as well. Okay. So yeah, over this co-founder, yeah, Sean Thielen, uh, who's okay. my co-founder uh, and CTO. So do you guys have some other other products? Like, over, and you talked about how you built this mostly over the last year or so. So do you guys have some other, other products you built over the last several years? We did, and we just sold it to Linktree. So that was a product called okay. Koji that... Uh, made it much faster and easier for software developers to build web applications and okay. uh, using this thing we call subtractive development. And so um, it, ten, it, it, it was primarily used uh, by developers to build applications for the creator economy. So um, okay. applications that allow social media creators to better engage with their audience, monetize, et cetera. And okay. so Linktree, which is a, a dominant right. player in the Lincoln biospace, uh, bought Koji uh, just a few weeks ago. Okay. And so did you guys sell it partially to just focus on your new exactly. AI business? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that sounds, sounds awesome. So I'm curious, um, how, how has this idea changed from when you started it, you know, from a year ago, specifically, you know, this, this new application, has it changed a lot from the original idea or is it kind of played out exactly how you thought it would? Um, yeah, I mean, as in any product, as you uh, continue down your roadmap, um, you know, some people have these like long roadmaps that they try to predict. We tend not to develop in that way and, and have sort of much shorter focus areas, sprints. Um, and so, yeah, look, the, the, the vector of uh, the, the platform is a tool that allows non-technical people to very rapidly leverage the power of all of these generative AI models to build applications, that has been uh, uh, consistent. Uh, you know, did we predict like all of these features when we first started building it? Not really, meaning retrieval augmented generation a year ago was not sort of a thing. Uh, now it's critically important. And so like those kinds of things are there. Uh, did we predict how quickly it was going to be adopted, especially in like enterprises and, and, and you know, get in businesses? Um, no, we, uh, 
you know, the, the adoption has been uh, very rapid. And, and so that that's obviously a, a good thing. Uh, but we sort of didn't predict that. We thought we'd need to, we thought we'd need to have some like enterprise salespeople on staff, for example. And we don't have a single salesperson. So all of this has been organic. 80, 86% of our developer signups are organic. Uh, and right now we're signing up around 300 new AI developers every single day, seven days a week. Wow. So are they just coming from referrals or where, where are they coming from? Mostly direct, mostly word of mouth. So people type word in of mouth. Word of, yeah. Uh, people are discovering, again, we periodically, actually somewhat frequently these days, I get pinged mostly on LinkedIn from people that say, hey, I'm in this like enterprise and we discovered Mind Studio and we're using it. And they kind of tell me their stories about you know, how they discovered it and how all of a sudden they started using it and their coworkers were blown away. And so they train their coworkers to do it and like, could they sign up for a more formal training with more people and stuff like that? We're seeing large uh, consultants, you know, IT consultants and, and business consultants um, adopting this both internally for themselves and uh, taking it out to their clients. Uh, there's a company called Affinity Express that recently announced publicly that they've partnered with us. Uh, 2,200 person company. Uh, last year, they serviced over 2 million small and medium sized businesses with various creative services. Uh, they're using it internally. They're actually ripping out a bunch of these other platforms that I mentioned earlier in the call because they were early adopters of AI. They're ripping all of those out and replacing them with custom applications built via Mind Studio on this. They actually sent five people to our former formal training that we uh, had two weeks ago, uh, our certified developer training. Five of those cohort were from Affinity Express. And uh, later this year, they're rolling it out to that 2 million SMBs. And so they did wow. a survey of SMBs. 58% of the people surveyed said that they're interested in leveraging AI in their business. And so they are working with us to package those things and roll them out. Wow. Well, I do want to make a uh, take a second to remind everybody today's episode is brought to you by FullScale, which is my company. We help all sorts of startups and scale-ups grow their development team through staff augmentation. We have 300 employees working with all doing all sorts of cool stuff. Check us out at fullscale.io. So you, you mentioned earlier enterprise, and I think one of the big challenges I hear about a lot in regards to the enterprise is security and that you know people don't want their software developers putting in code and ChatGPT and stuff because people are like overly worried about it. If in my opinion. But is that one of the problems you guys solve is like people can kind of run their own models and stuff in their own environments to help with the security part of this or? Yeah. So uh, for any business, you know, security, privacy, compliance are important for certain businesses, uh, you know, medical, finance, uh, government agencies, et cetera. It's critical and, and regulated. Uh, so depending on who's using Mind Studio, we find them using it in, in various ways. Uh, if, if they are, again, it is being used already in, in medical offices and in government and in financial services, uh, not all, but the number of those entities have trained and run their own models in their own cloud or on-premise. And so they okay. explicitly want to connect to those and we allow them okay. to do that. For most enterprises that we've seen so far, uh, they prefer using publicly available models, again, OpenAI, right. Google Meta, et cetera, uh, and understand, uh, meaning get comfortable with the privacy implications. Right. Uh, all of the model providers that we support today explicitly state in their terms of service 
that when data is sent to them via API, which is the way that we work, we send it to them via APIs, not via chat GPT, but via GPT APIs. Right. Um, uh, that they do not use that data. They don't store it and they don't use it for training. Okay. Okay. And as long as you trust the cloud, yeah. then you should have no issues with that. Uh, but- we, allow, we allow people to upload uh, lots and lots of data to our service for us to be able to take that data and convert it into vector embeddings and then be able to do this retrieval augmented generation with vector databases. Uh, there, uh, we, when we have the data, uh, it lives in our cloud, which is primarily AWS. It's secured by best practices, you know, of modern day security practices. Uh, by the way, my, my initial love and my first company, Aconix, as I mentioned, was a cybersecurity company. My first love in computing was, was uh, cybersecurity. Uh, generally, I explicitly trust uh, modern cloud and, and best practices that we have today, right? Um, and, uh, and you know, none of our employees obviously have access to any of this data, nor will they. And uh, so I think generally people should feel comfortable in being able to use AI via Mind Studio. Okay. I'm curious, I'm curious what your take is on how AI is affecting software development or how you think it will affect software development from your point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, uh, it has already transformed software development for many. Um, I remember <laughs> I started writing code in 1984 and in 1984, if you went to bookstores, they didn't have a computer section. And so if you wanted a book, you needed to find a book. Some libraries had a couple of books, but that was it. Uh, and while we had access via, you know, 300 baud modem to some early web services, they certainly didn't have anything that could help you write code. So you have to do it on your own. And then over time, developers, um, you know, as the web developed and as Stack Overflow developed and as GitHub developed, uh, developers had lots of access to other people's code that they could reuse. And right. oftentimes you find some developers that just like heavily rely on copy and pasting from Stack Overflow and cobbling things together. You find these like integration developers. If you just sat write code, said to them, write code from scratch, you, you know, sadly, many developers sort of don't know how to start doing that. Uh, yeah. AI co-pilots have dramatically transformed that. There's been reporting that traffic to Stack Overflow has collapsed. Uh, and now, you know, these large language models uh, are very good at being able to assist in coding, sort of predict where it is you're going and and offer basically, you know, it, IntelliSense autocompletes uh, for that, uh, or even to write sort of big chunks of, of an application by you sort of just describing what it is you're trying to build and giving it some constraints. So I think development sort of changed forever based upon that. And of course, models that are specifically trained, like Code Llama, for example, that we support trained for code, uh, in a sense, do it even better in, in certain situations than other. Um, and so do I believe, for example, that we, uh, that more business people will be able to create apps completely without developers because generative AI is here? Yes, I do. Uh, that is clear. It just requires a, a little bit of time and effort uh, by those non-technical people to interact with a coding model and, and sort of work together to work out the bugs and get it deployed and all of that. So that's already possible like never before. Um but, uh, meaning I, I think developers are still going to be in great need 
to uh, build more sophisticated applications. And AI is going to be an amazing you know, co-pilot for that. Already is. Yeah, from my usage of it, I feel like it uh, saves, you know, saves the developer 15 minutes a couple times a day. <laughs> I don't feel like it has really replaced them. It's like just been helpful. I think as it, if it got deeper and deeper integrated into the IDEs and your entire code base and all that kind of stuff, I could see it being more and more powerful. But from my experience, it's usually been like little things. It's like it's like, I could spend 15 minutes to figure out how to build this little algorithm or I can ask ChatGPT and I can use it, which in the past, maybe Stack Overflow, I got copied and pasted it from too. But. Totally. The amount of time that's been wasted on trying to, to tune up regular expressions. Oh my God, is, yeah. Is, is, is unquantifiable. <laughs> yes. uh, we'll never have to do that ever again. Uh, it's obviously, it's already integrated into VS Code and, and obviously right. will continue to be more integrated into IDEs. Um, and, and you're right. I think for capable developers who are already proficient, uh, it, it's a helper and some time saver. Uh, yeah. But I think where its real value lies is in more junior developers. Sure. We're now more junior developers that could never sort of complete some task. Right. Are able to at least iteratively complete the task. They might not be able to ask the AI to write the entire thing, but be able to work with the AI and, and write some stuff and debug and then yeah. evaluate alternatives. It allows them to struggle through and build things. And, and that's, in my experience, there is radically there are radically more of those types of developers than proficient developers that benefit little from AI. Like I think those are like the 90, more than 95%, I would say 98% case. And there's maybe like 2% that are just like, okay, great. I can do this without the AI. This might save me a little bit of time. Sure. Yeah. I'm curious, as I think about Mind Studio and all the capabilities of it, I'm curious, how would you compare it to something like Zapier? The way you describe it, it sounds like it's workflow and interacts with all these things. Like in my mind, it kind of reminds me of Zapier. How would you compare Mind Studio to Zapier? Uh, many people have uh, uh, said to me that a way to describe Mind Studio is like Zapier of AI. So it makes okay. sense that you picked up on that as well. Um, Zapier is amazing as a tool. Uh, and by the way, I remember the days before Zapier of like things like Yahoo Pipes, for example. <laughs> it's like an old thing that many people not remember. Um, but the problem with, with Zapier is it still requires a lot of effort and, and sort of mental effort and time to build things, to build automations, to sort of manipulate all of those forms. And as soon as you get things that require, again, some, some nuance in edge cases that might need right. to be addressed, uh, it becomes extraordinarily difficult to use Zapier to do that. Where AI Zapier, Mind Studio, uh, sort of dramatically changes that, is that building automations takes a tiny fraction of the time that it would take with Zapier to do. And then because it's being driven by AI, you can either one, be very, if you don't care about ultra sort of nuance, you can, you can be very general with the AI about what you want the thing to do, and it will do it. And when it comes to you know, cases where it's not sure, it, it can use, again, intelligence to be able to make those decisions and tend to, tends to be usable, right? Or, and so, so you get that instantly. Or if you want it to be more nuanced, again, it's just much easier to tell it in plain 
English what you wanted to do, then to have to go and use a bunch of forms to try to get Zapier to do it in some other way. Yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. I'm, uh, I think there are definitely some use cases I need to try for the uh, try try this for over the next week or so. <laughs> so I'm kind of kind of excited to give it a try. I guess to put you on the spot a little bit, what what does it cost to use Mind Studio? Is is it something that anybody can afford? You mentioned solo entrepreneurs use it, so there's pretty low entry price point, I would guess, that it's affordable? It's free to use uh, okay. uh, and to get started and build a bunch of you know sophisticated stuff. Uh, we do have pricing tiers, two pricing tiers, $23 and $99 that, um, you know, for people who, who need more capabilities. Uh, okay. to, the, the biggest thing you get by moving to the pricing tier is uh, when you're on the free tier, people that are using your AI, if you want other people to use it, need to log into Mind Studio. So they need okay. to create a free Mind Studio account and log in. Uh, there's Mind Studio branding there. You can't embed it in your own website. If you move to the $23 or the $99 tier, we reduce the branding. In the $99 tier, we completely eliminate the branding. There's no okay. requirement in either tier to log into Mind Studio. You can embed it in your own website. You get much better analytics. You get the ability to log conversations and collect data from the forms, lead generators, like those kinds of things. But you can do amazing things on the free tier. So, did, so does your guys' platform have all sorts of third-party integrations built into it, kind of like Zapier? Like for like, I want to look up, I want to, I want to send a text message or send an email or do, you know, call this API and find somebody in on LinkedIn or something. Like, do you have all sorts of that kind of stuff built into it as well? We do. We've got now uh, dozens, over three dozen automations uh, to s sending messages, sending text messages, connecting to to uh, any API, calling any API, um, okay. you know, uh, browsing the web, crawling the web, getting data or sending data like to things like Calendly or Slack or Airtable or any of these things. Another thing we have is a, a capability called custom functions that allows you to write JavaScript. In this case, you need some development chops or have a developer build it for you to create custom functions that are just full stack JavaScript that can do anything. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I've got a project right now that I'm working on that this might be really useful for. So um, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of excited now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, today, I'm glad we talked today. While we, while we uh, market this thing as being a no-code platform, uh, there are lots of professional you know, capable software developers that in a sense don't need the platform, but choose to use the platform because it makes a bunch of things much easier for them yeah. to do. Specifically sort of, again, interacting with that intelligence layer, all those different models, very easy right. to switch between models, use different models in all parts of the workflow, package it, et cetera. And scale it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned before you, you were an old nerd. Not my words. Those were your words, right? Oh, yeah. You're an old nerd. I'm an old so nerd. I'm curious how um, over your career, you went from being a, a software developer, running a machine learning team to being a CEO. What, what was that transition like? Um, I started my first company in uh, 2000. So okay. I had spent the mid 90s at Fujitsu. Again, building their web team, and then uh, for a moment ran product and engineering for a startup, and then started a company. This was my cybersecurity company. Uh, the uh, and, and again, then started a competitor to YouTube, and then started you know what is now Mind Studio. This is my third company as a founder. 
Um, I only start companies uh, to work on things that I want to work on. And so if I can find somebody else doing what it is I want to work on, I tend to join them. This is why I joined MySpace, for example, and why I joined Google. You know, a lot of my entrepreneur friends were like, I don't get it. Like you've built two companies. Why would you go to Google or MySpace? And I went to MySpace because I felt like there was an opportunity to sort of transform it back to its glory days. Uh, And then I went to Google because they were working on really interesting things that I was interested in at the time. Uh, So, uh, you know, people start companies for all kinds of different reasons, uh, but I only start companies when I'm forced to start companies in order to work on something that's sort of just burning inside of me that I must work on and I can't find anybody else doing it. I love it. And and that's the passion as an entrepreneur you need to have, right? You you have to wake up every day and, you know, be excited and driven to go do whatever it is because I mean we we all wake up too and we ask ourselves, why in the world are we doing this? That's part of being an entrepreneur as well, right? But you've got to have that drive the other six days of the week to keep you going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you know, I get pinged frequently by entrepreneurs, you know, seeking advice. And my general advice to them is is the question of like, why do you want to do it? If the question is I want to, or the answer is I want to be my own boss, or I want to make a bunch of money, or whatever, I, I, I try to discourage them from doing it. I, I think entrepreneurship uh, is not something that most people should do. Uh, they are, uh, they would be much better off finding again a a, a nice cushy job <laughs> that that inspires yeah. them well enough to do it. But yeah, if you're crazy enough to do it, you know, I guess mad respect to you for doing it. Well, I do want to remind everybody today's episode was brought to you by FullScale. If you need to hire software developers, grow your team, FullScale is a perfect option for you. We have 300 employees in the Philippines doing all sorts of full stack development, mobile, QA, all these things. You can check us out at FullScale.io. With us today, we had Dimitri Shapiro and his company Mind Studio. Um, You can check him out. I think, is it MindStudio.com? It's MindStudio.ai. .ai. Okay. And um, sounds like a very cool tool. I, l- I love the description of sort of the next version of Zapier. It's like Zapier for AI. So it sounds really, really slick. Um, I'm curious if you have any any final tips, words of wisdom for other entrepreneurs out there as we round out the show today. Uh, we are living in an amazing time where, because again, of these generative models that are available now, where everything needs to be refactored. All businesses, uh, whether they are uh, primarily digital businesses or brick and mortar or anything else, uh, need to uh, be retooled and refactored using AI. There's tremendous demand for people that can show up and help companies do that. This thing called digital transformation that we've all been going through since, you know, you know, it used to be that only large companies could use information technology, right? Because you needed things like mainframes and medium small businesses didn't have that. And then we got, you know, they were, went through digital transformation. We got sort of personal computers. Then we got cloud, we got mobile, you know, we got all. Now we've got this other massive era of digital transformation using AI. And so uh, my advice for anyone uh, is to jump in and learn how to, again, create things that leverage the power of AI. Anyone can do it. You know, watch a half an hour worth of tutorials, YouTube tutorials, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I've got this like magic wand that I can sort of tap onto all kinds of things and 
and, and, and make them better. Um, and there's just great demand for that. Like we have companies that are jumping into our Discord asking who can come help them get there faster. They discovered my studio. They're trying to get their people onboarded, but they can't wait. And so they're hiring people out of our Discord. Like I know of a, five people now that have been hired out of Discord because some company showed up and said, no, 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 I just want it now. I'm willing to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it was just an amazing time to, to you know, jump in and, and come help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. Again, this was Dimitri Shapiro. Check, check out their company at mindstudio.ai. Dimitri, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, so great to chat with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.